Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, how are you guys doing today? That side, good. This side, wake up. I uh, know, how'd that happen? What? You pray and then boom, a door happened. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to start off tonight talking about you. Specifically, I want to talk about your generation. Generation Z. Did you know you're Generation Z? I'm a millennial, barely. I cry about it daily, though. But you guys are Generation Z. So here's the thing. We, not too long ago, we went to a conference, and, and I, I want to share with you guys some stats about your generation. You ready? 34% of Generation Z believe that lying is wrong. Do the math. Most of you think it's okay to lie. Most of you think that's okay to lie to your parents about, oh, like, oh, I got here late because I had a flat tire. And your parents are like, oh, I believe you. And then they realize you don't even have a car. <laughs> so most of you think it's okay to lie. 34% of your generation identify themselves as either an atheist, agnostic, or none. None meaning you don't associate yourself with anything. You don't consider yourself a Christian, uh, Jewish, Hindu, atheist. You're just like, I'm just none. And that's a, that's a classification now. 50% of Generation Z believe that you have to choose either the Bible or science. You, you can't have both. That's what the world is telling you. You can't have both. So my wife, who is a beautiful, godly woman and also one of the best science teachers in Gwinnett County, is the exception to your rule. Think about that. 60% of your generation believe that Jesus was a real person. Not, not that he was the Savior, not that he was the Son of God, just that he maybe existed. 42% believe the Bible to be at least somewhat accurate. And 4% of your generation have what we would call an evangelical, biblical worldview. Here's why I'm bringing these things up. It's because we live in a world that is telling us that, it, that we have to make a choice, that we have to compromise ourselves, or worse, that, that it's okay to compromise. We live in Babylon. We're living in this world that's saying it's okay to be this way, when really it's, it's not okay because we aren't called to compromise. We're not called to be a part of this world. We're called to more. We're called to live uncompromised. So that's why for the next four weeks, the, me and you, we're going to be here and we're going to study the book of Daniel, the first four chapters of the book of Daniel, and we're going to see what it looks like to live uncompromised, to, to live with a biblical, godly, evangelical worldview. And my prayer is this, my prayer is this, is that after tonight and after this series is done, that not only will we walk out of here living uncompromised, but that we will walk out of here knowing that by choosing God, we are actually choosing freedom, a freedom that can only come from giving our lives over 
to Jesus Christ. So let me, let me pray. Jesus, we pray that tonight you would meet us here, that you would meet us here at Watershed, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to what you have to say through the book of Daniel, what you have to say tonight. Lord, that we might be a part of this world, but not of it. Jesus, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So to set everything up, I need to give you a history lesson. Does anybody like history? I do. I don't like science. I believe in it. I just don't like it. So here's a little history lesson for you. Back in 605 B.C., back in 605 B.C., in in, in the nation of of Babylon, this up-and-coming nation, Nebuchadnezzar would rise to power, and he would become the king of this great nation of Babylon. And not too long after becoming the king of Babylon, he got together with his council, with his boys, and he said, you know what would be a great idea? And they're like, king, what would be a great idea? He said, we should go invade Israel. And they're like, we should totally invade Israel. And so that's what they do. That same year he's elected, he's made king, they go and they invade Israel. Now something else you need to know, history buffs, know this. At this time, Israel actually consisted of two different kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and it has Samaria in it. And then there was the southern kingdom, Judah, which had the great city of Jerusalem. So that's where Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians would start. They would go and they would conquer Judah. Now, but here's what they did. It wasn't, it wasn't like you, you see in the movies where, where this great nation comes and they conquer and they burn down villages and towns and they steal all of the treasure. There's probably some of that. But what they did is, is they would take the best, the best youth, young people, as we say here, They would take the best young people, and they would assimilate their culture into their lives. So what they would do is they they would take these young people, and they would deport them from like Judah, and bring them and take them to Babylon, and they would introduce them to, to, to the Babylonian culture, to the Babylonian beliefs, to the Babylonian gods. And so, so what it says in, in, in the first few verses of, of Daniel 1, it says that they, they took youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom. And among the youth taken were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, and we'll talk more about those guys uh, in a couple weeks in Daniel. And it says that the king assigned them a daily portion of the food he ate, food from Babylon, for, for them to eat. And here's what happens. We're going to pick up. And Daniel 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. And then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, said, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Eat your vegetables, guys. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So here's what happens. So, so these guys 
are, are being assimilated into the Babylonian culture. And, and the, the chief eunuch brings this feast to them, the king's food. And Daniel and his boys say, no, we're good. They say, they say, they say no thanks because Daniel does not want to defile himself. He does not want to, to turn his back on his God. He said, my God wants something different for me, so I've, I've got to obey him. And he convinced the, the king's chief, these workers, to let him and his friends have a 10-day trial. He says, hey, guys, just let me try this whole veggie and water thing for 10 days. And if it's worse for me, well, well then we'll, we'll eat the king's food. But let's just, let's just see what happens. And, and as we read, they were healthier. They were better in appearance. They were allowed to continue eating and it wasn't according to their desire, but to the desire of God. So we're going we're gonna to pull three truths from the text. And the first truth is this. Like Daniel said no to what Babylon offers, we must be determined to say no what, to what the world offers. I love what it says in Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. The New Living Translation, is, it says that Daniel was determined to not defile himself. You see, Daniel knew that what, what Babylon was offering him, it's not that it was, it was bad, it's just it wasn't good in the sight of God. So he didn't want to defile himself. He didn't want to make himself unclean in the sight of, of, of God. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like it was just these random portions. It wasn't crumbs. It, it wasn't food from the pig's trough. It was portions of the king's food. So it probably looked delicious and smelled even better. But Daniel knew that it was not what God wanted for him. He knew to, to say no, not because it was bad, but because it didn't align with God's heart. Because it didn't align with God's will. Daniel had to say no. He was determined to say no. So here's my question for you is are you determined? Are you ready? Are you prepared to say no to what the world has to offer you? Because if you're not ready, if you're not prepared, if you're not determined to say no, then what you're going to do, and you've been wondering why this door is here, let me tell you right now. If we're not determined to say no, what we're doing is we're leaving this door to the world wide open. When I was, when I was uh, in, in high school, summer before my senior year, I, I, I was at a camp, and at that camp I prayed to receive Jesus. And, and at that moment it was no longer like the smoking and the drinking and girls that defined me, but it was, it was God who defined me. And so for my senior year, I, I didn't pursue my past life. I was pursuing my walk with Jesus. I was pursuing my relationship with him. And I would go to parties, but I, I would go and I would be the designated dri driver. I wanted to keep my friends safe. And I wasn't okay with what they were doing, but I was less okay with this idea that they might get hurt. But I was determined to say no. And that's what I did. I said no for my entire senior year until one Saturday in May. And that Saturday in May, I woke up, and it was a different Saturday because by the grace of God, I was graduating that day. And so I woke up early in the morning, and by early I mean 10. And, and I, I, went to, I went to the Carolina Coliseum, and I remember sitting there, and we're in alphabetical order. I'm by What's Her Face and, and that guy. And... I walk across the stage, I'm shaking the hands of the principal, and they gave me a fake diploma because they don't give you your real diploma in case you do something to mess up the whole ceremony. And, and so I walk across the stage, I sit back down, I go home with my family, they're so proud of me, and, and we go and we have lunch, and it's this beautiful and fun day, and that night there was a party. And, and that day I thought to myself, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I won't drink, I probably won't, but if, if it's offered, 
yeah, it's, it's graduation. It's okay. It's one. It's one time. I've been good. It's one time. And so I, I roll up to this party. And as soon as I'm there, I, I see the beer and I, and I grab one. And I maybe have this beer in my hand for a minute. And my buddy Sam walks up. And, and Sam was actually with me at the camp when, when I prayed to receive Christ for the first time. So he knew where I was in my journey. And he knew what I, whose I was about. But he sees me holding this beer. And he walks in. He has this big smile. He says, Emilio is back. Loud enough for the whole party to sees. And they're all looking at me. They're like, oh, man, Emilio has a beer in his hand. And at that moment, I was petrified. Because I thought to myself, if, if, if I'm back, what did I leave behind? And I put that beer down. I went home because I didn't want to be back. I wanted to be with God. You, you see, here's what happened was I left that door open. I left it cracked open. And here's what happens. There's two sides to the door. There's this side where, where it's us and it's God and things are good and things are great. And there's this side where the world is. And if we're not determined to say no to it, if we're not ready, if we're not prepared, what happens is, is the world's going to pull you in. And it's going to keep you there. And it's going to try to slam that door shut. Because it does not want you on this side. If you leave that door cracked open, you will be pulled in. Now, Christian, I want you to hear this. If you are a Christian and if you are pulled in to the other side of that door, it does not mean you're not a Christian. You do not lose your salvation. Once you are his, you are forever his. But it is hard to come out on the other side. I think about the story of the prodigal son who left the father, and, and you think about the struggles that it was, the journey it was to get back to him. Not to mention the fact that if you're a Christian, hey, Mike Stan, you go here now. That if you are a Christian and, and we're standing at this door because we're, we're called to be part of the world. We're called to be here. We're just not called to be of it. But so if you're standing here and if you're a Christian and people at your school and your community know that, they are watching you. And if they see you go through that door, they're going to follow you there. Now as a Christian, part of our call is to stand here and, and be used by God to pull people out. But we are not called to be pulled in. And, and, and I'm reminded uh, uh, with Daniel that he would know this verse in Proverbs 14, 12, and I'm going to share it with you, is, is, is that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Daniel was offered things from Babylon, but he was determined to say no. If you were offered things of this world, will you be determined as well? Second truth is this, and here's why Daniel could say no. Because at the end of the day, God's way is always better than the world's. Daniel 1.15, at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So at this point, Daniel was convinced the chief to give them this 10-day trial. And it's better for them. They look better in appearance. They're healthier to the point where, where he, he gives the rest of them vegetables. He gives the rest of them water because God's way is always better than Babylon's. It is always better than the world's. When, I remember when I was in eighth grade. And we moved from the suburbs of Columbia, South Carolina, into the big city of Columbia, South Carolina. And moved into, uh, started at a new school, moved into a new neighborhood, and made some new friends. And one of these new friends was this kid named Tim. And Tim was that kid that your parents and your parents' friends and their friends' friends tell you not to hang out with. But he lived in my neighborhood, and we walked home together, and we became really close really quick. And the thing about Tim was that he was one of the most popular kids in my grade. 
but he was also one of the most feared because you never knew what Tim was going to do at any given moment. One moment he was going to be your best friend, the next moment he was going to throw you in a thorn bush. I know that because it happened to me, and we were friends. And so then we, we, our relationship goes into high school, and, and I don't know if your high schools are like this. My high school was just weird. But we walked into high school, and we found out that the, the seniors, the upperclassmen, had a list of the coolest freshmen. They had a top 10 freshman list. For some reason, I wasn't on it. I'm still, I might be bitter. But Tim was on it. Tim was on that list. And the reason Tim was on this list is because he was willing to do whatever it took to make somebody like him. You needed a joke, he was your guy. You needed to fight somebody, Tim would at least be there. Tim was that guy. Tim got into a lot of trouble. Tim ended up getting into a lot of drugs. Tim ended up dropping out of school. And today, Tim is in prison. Today, he's living his life surrounded by walls of concrete. For me, like I told y'all earlier, I met Jesus. And while he lives his life behind bars, I live my life knowing I get to spend eternal life with Jesus. Now, I, I don't want you to hear this because it can be easy to do this. I want to clarify this one thing. I, I'm not saying that if you do bad things that you are a bad person and that you're going to jail. Okay? Do you, do you understand? Nod your head. Hey, I know I'm not going to jail today unless I do something really stupid. But here, here's... Here's the thing, because, because not one of us is good. We're reminded in Romans that we all fall short of the glory of God. So not one of us is good. So here's the point that I'm making. That while something right now might seem great, the idea of being popular, that feeling you get when you're drunk, you're high, the, the feeling that you get when, when you are desired, that might seem great now, but eternally it might not mean anything. God's way is always better than the world's. And so then what, what happens with Daniel, is, it says this in Daniel 1.17, it says, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. And so we learn that these guys say no to King Nebuchadnezzar. They say no to Babylon. And, and because their appearance is better, because they seem better, we, we learn that they, they find favor not only in the king's eyes, and, and as we continue through this, this journey in Daniel, we'll see their relationship, the king's relationship with Daniel and his friends. They, they not only find favor with the king, but they find favor with God. He gives them these gifts. He gives them these skills of, of learning, skills of wisdom. He gives them the strength to be able to say no to Babylon. And here's what he does for us. Here's the last truth that while God gave them skills and wisdom, he gives us Jesus. You see, I, I love what, what Jesus himself says in John 8. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he says in verse 34, he answers them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, God gives us the greatest gift. Better than skills in literature and wisdom, better than this, this, the, the, the ability to interpret dreams or visions, he gives us the gift of life with and through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus himself in these verses promises us that if we abide in him, if we abide in his truth, if we abide in his word, then we are set free. 
And he, he gives us a freedom from sin, a freedom from the shackles of the world. Freedom to, say, to be strong, to say no to the very world that we live in. Uh, the freedom to keep this door shut. To not cross over. Because we're called to be a part of the world, but not of it. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're free children of God. Free to love, to live. Free to be. But here's the challenge. The challenge is what the world has to offer, what the world throws at you can seem good. It can seem okay. And it's easy, y'all have heard my story, it's, it's easy to think about drugs, alcohol, but, but sometimes it's, it's this, we, we can be a slave to success. This idea that a lot of us have, especially in this area, that, that if we don't get the right grades, that get us into the right college, that get us the right job and the right amount of money that provides for the right family, then we are a failure. And that is a lie that the world is throwing at you. It's not to say that we aren't called to be excellent in what we do, because we are. But what if instead of focusing on this short-term part of eternity, we focused on Jesus and what he offers for all of it? Or, or what about this idea that we can be a slave to, to this desire to be known, to be popular, the, the desire to be known by the person beside you or, or throughout your school? What if instead of focusing on the, on the desire to be known, we just focused on knowing Jesus and focused on our friends knowing him as well? We, the challenge is that we have to open our eyes, we have to open our hearts to what the, thing, the, the difference is, what the world is offering and what God offers. We have to be able to say no to Babylon, but yes to Jesus. So remember, this, this isn't a don't do bad things talk. This isn't a just say no to the world talk. This is a say yes to the freedom that comes knowing the one who was shackled and beaten and crucified so that you may live. Because to truly live means that we need to be determined to say no to the world. Because what God has to offer is better. Because what he offers is, eternity, is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you offer us, that you give us freedom through your son, Jesus. We praise you that we do not have to be slaves to this world. That we can have freedom through you, through a relationship with you. Lord, that we can be yours. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen.